we're going to kind of pick up where we kind of left off last Sunday and kind of dive a little bit further into that. So we said, what does it mean to have a mission mindset? How does that apply to our lives as Christians? So we said a mission is really simply an assignment. We said our mission at Liberty Church is win souls, make disciples, destroy the works of the devil, right? That is our mission, to win souls, make disciples, destroy the works of the devil. That is our divine assignment from God. And we said out of every mission or every assignment, there's a goal, right? There's a foundational goal, and our foundational goal is to connect people to the God that created them, the God that loves them, the God that sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for them. So our goal is to connect people relationally to God through his son, Jesus Christ. We said not only do we have a goal, but every mission has a deadline. And we said our deadline is today, right? Today is the day of salvation. Every day is somebody's last day to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So every day we need to do something to help somebody, right? Every day we need to do something to help somebody connect their heart and their life to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then we said we're a part of a team, right? And we're working together, and we are working with God, right? We're working together to see people connect to God, and we're working with God to see His kingdom come and His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we simply said this. We said that when we partner with God, God puts his super on top of our natural, right? And all of a sudden, we start living supernatural lives as God begins to do amazing, astounding things in us and through us to touch people and draw people into that real relationship with Jesus. And then the last thing we said is that we have a strategy. And that's kind of where we've kind of been drilling down, unpackaging, and talking about what is our strategy. Let me just encourage you in this real quick. I, I want to challenge you um, to really grab hold of what we're talking about. Because the strategy that we're talking about, which we said is really simple, right? Our strategy is very simple. It's God's strategy since the genesis of time. We said we really simply want to bless our world with Jesus Christ. And we recognize that we were blessed to be a blessing, right? God has blessed you and blessed me to be a blessing. And I want to challenge you just to grab hold of this. Don't allow this sermon series just to be another sermon series. Let this be something that literally changes the projection of your life so that you begin to live your life differently because when you connect to God's mission and you begin to live life on purpose, all of a sudden amazing things really do begin to happen and you're going to come alive as you connect to God. So our strategy is really simple. We're going to bless our world, right? Genesis chapter 12 says, The Lord God had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. And I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. And all families on earth will be blessed through you. So God blesses us to be a blessing to other people. Amen? So we took the word bless, and we said we made a little acronym out of it, right? We said we're going to be, we're going to begin with prayer. We're going to L, we're going to listen with care. We're going to E, we're going to eat together. And all the men said, amen. That was weak, and all the men said, Amen, right? We're going to eat together. S, we're going to serve with love. We're going to talk about that today. And then S, the last S, we're going to share our story, and we're going to talk about that next Sunday. So let's recap real quick. So B, begin with prayer. We said we're going to pray for three people, right? Three prayers for three people. We're asking God, Lord, show us three people that are disconnected from you that need to be connected to you. 
And Lord, help us to begin to pray for them. And we're praying three prayers for three people. We're praying for the drawing and conviction of the Holy Spirit. We're praying that God would open their eyes to truth. And we're praying that God would give them a heart that believes and accepts Jesus as Lord. And then as we begin to pray, then we said we're going to listen with care. And we said when we listen with care, two things are going to begin to happen. Number one, you're going to hear their heart. Not their words, their heart. And we said that when you hear somebody's heart, all of a sudden you begin to see their soul in a different light, right? Because instead of hearing their words, and maybe they're negative or critical, you begin to hear their heart and you begin to understand they're not just negative, they're not a negative or a critical person, they're actually a broken, hurting person. And when you begin to see them as a broken, hurting person, guess what happens? All of a sudden, compassion starts to rise up in your heart, right? When you look at judgmental people, you're not very compassionate. But when you look at broken, hurting people, all of a sudden there is a compassion that begins to rise up inside your heart because you begin to hear their heart and then you see their soul differently. And then as you listen with care, we said the Holy Spirit is going to begin to whisper and speak to us the key that unlocks their heart. He's going to begin to show us how to minister, how to pray, how to serve that person with love in a way that's going to help connect them to God. Amen? And then last week we said we're going to eat together, and we said food connects us. And Brother Curtis was really excited. He said, you gave us a biblical mandate for what we've been doing for years, right? We like to eat, and now we've got a biblical reason for it. So food connects us through fellowship, through openness, through opportunities, and through divine deposits. And today we're going to talk about how we are going to serve others with love. So look with me in Mark chapter 10. Because in Mark chapter 10, Jesus gives us a paradigm shift. Jesus turns the natural concept of leadership and influence upside down and gives us a new way of recognizing what does it really mean to lead people and what does it really mean to have influence in the lives of people that's going to help them. And so he gives us this whole paradigm shift where he kind of changes everything. So look what it says. So Jesus called them, and the them here is his disciples together, and he said, you know that the rulers of this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. For whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first or great among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So look at that first point. When we serve others with love, I want you to see this. This is what happens. We add value to their lives, and the more value we add, the more influence we have. The goal here, remember, we are not trying to convert people to Christianity. Christianity is not a religion we're trying to convert people to. Christianity is a relationship we're trying to connect people to. We're trying to connect people to the God of heaven and earth that created them, loves them, and sent his son to die for them. And so this is not about converting people. This is about connecting people. And so when we serve people with love, guess what happens? We begin to add value into people's lives, and the more value you add, the more influence that you have. Now, John Maxwell, my favorite writers, he said, leadership is influence, nothing more and nothing less, right? So our goal is to lead people into a life-giving relationship with God. And if I'm going to lead people into a life-giving relationship with God, I have to have influence in people's lives. 
And many times when you start talking about leadership or influence, people think, well, Pastor Keith, I'm, I'm not in a position of authority. I don't have any control over another person's life. I can't influence them because I don't have a position or a title that gives me the authority to influence their lives. Let me just say this to you today. Jesus shifted the paradigm, and Jesus said this, the way that you lead people, the way that you influence people, the way that you impact people is not to control them and lord over them. The way that you lead them is to serve them. And if you can serve with love, you can lead. If you can serve with love, you can lead. And if you will serve with love, you'll add value to their life. And the more value you add, the more influence you'll have. And you will become an influential voice in the life of that individual. And I can prove it to you. I want you to think about some of the most influential people in your life. Think about it for just a minute. Who has influenced you the most for Christ? Who has influenced your family the most for good? Who has influenced your family the most financially for good? Who are the people that are the biggest influences in your life? And you know what I can tell you about those people? I don't even know them. But this is what I know about those people. The greatest influences in your life are not the people that have controlled and manipulated you. The greatest influences in your life are the people that have served you, the people that have loved you, the people that have invested in you, the people that have walked with you through the hard times and the difficult times, the people that have cried with you, and the people that have rejoiced with you. Those are the greatest and the most influential people in your life. And those are the people that when you're in a difficult time, you look to them for counsel. And those are the people that when you're going through a hard time, you're asking them to pray for you. Think about it. They are not influential because they have a position of authority over you. They are influential in your life because they have served you with love. They've served you with love. They've invested in your life. They have sacrificed for your well-being and for your good. And those are the people you look to for leadership. Those are the people you look to for influence. Those are the people you look to for direction and insight into your life. Why? Not because they had a position of authority, but because they served you out of a heart of love. Now, the most influential person on the planet, hands down, is Jesus Christ. And as I was thinking about how Jesus Christ has influenced us, I kind of went out on the internet and started uh, looking around just for some information about the influence of Christ, right? And we know everything on the internet is true. <laughs> well, what I'm going to read to you today actually is true, okay? Let me share this with you. This, this is just great perspective of how influential Jesus Christ really is in our world. Jesus led no army, he wrote no books, and he changed no laws. And let me just add for our modern day society, Jesus never had a Facebook page, an Instagram page, a Twitter account, or a Snapchat. But 2,000 years later, we are in Arab, Alabama, gathered in a church on a Sunday morning to worship him and commit our hearts to follow him without social media. How in the world did he do it? He never led an army. He never wrote a book. He never changed the law. 
And the Jewish leaders and the Roman Caesars had hoped that they would wipe out his memory, and it appeared that they would succeed when they crucified him on the cross. But how many of you glad three days later? Amen? Come on. Yet today, Jesus is remembered, and his life is still influencing our world more than any other person to ever live. So let me give you some information about Jesus. More books have been written about Jesus than any other person in history. Nations have used Jesus' words as the bedrock of their government. According to William Durant, the author and world historian, he wrote this statement. He said, the triumph of Christ was the beginning of all democracy. Think about our American nation. We are a democratic society because our nation is one nation under God. We have founded and we live in a nation that was founded on the bedrock principles of Jesus Christ. Now, think about every other nation that is not a Christian nation. They don't have democracy. They have dictatorship. Why? Because Jesus Christ has such influenced our world that literally the democracies of human government have all been founded and established upon the teaching of Jesus Christ. His Sermon on the Mount of Olives established a new paradigm in ethics and morals. Schools, hospitals, and humanitarian works have been founded in His name. Over 100 of the greatest universities, including Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Dartmouth, Columbia, and Oxford, were all established by followers of Jesus Christ for the purpose of advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, most of those universities have moved far away from their founding roots, but every one of those universities were founded as Christian universities to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. The elevated role of women in Western culture traces its roots back to Jesus. Women in Jesus' day were considered inferior and virtually non-persons until his teaching was followed and established in culture. You want to know what a woman in Jesus' day lived like and looked like? Then look at the Islamic culture. You want to know what Jesus has done to change and elevate the role of women in society? Then look at America today, where we are now one nation under God. All men and all women created equal in the eyes of God. You can thank Jesus for that, ladies. You can thank Jesus. Don't you dare thank some feminist crazy woman for your liberties. Trace your roots and your liberties back to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because that's where it comes from. Slavery was abolished in Britain and America due to Jesus' teaching that every human life is valuable. Amazingly. Jesus made all this impact as the result of just a three-and-a-half-year public ministry. Three-and-a-half years of public ministry, Jesus influenced the world. When noted author and world historian H.G. Wells was asked, who has left the greatest legacy on history, he replied, Jesus. Yale historian Pelican writes of Jesus, regardless of what anyone may think, may personally think or believe about Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth has become the dominant figure in the history of Western culture for almost 20 centuries. 
It is from his birth that most of the human race dates its calendars. And it is by his name that millions curse, and it is, his, it is in his name that millions pray. Jesus, hands down, the most influential person on the planet. And 2,000 years later, we're in Arab, Alabama, seeking to serve and know and follow him. How in the world did he do it? He never led an army. He never wrote a book. He never changed a law. You know what he did? He served with love. He sacrificially laid down his life, and he served us. He met a need in our own hearts that we could not meet. He added an eternal value to our souls that we could never obtain by ourselves. And 2,000 years later, we're still following him. What's exciting about that is simply this. You don't need a position of authority to have influence. You just need a heart that is willing to serve with love, and you can change the world. You can change the world. Look with me in John 13. It says, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. And then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. And verse 12 says, and after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. Now look at verse 15. And I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Look at that next point. When we serve others with love, our lives become an example that they want to follow. When we serve others with love, our lives become an example that they want to follow. As I was reading this story this past week out of John 13, I just kind of had a little chuckle as I was thinking about that, that little story. And then my, my mind just went to the next time they got together. And I thought, you know what, I bet the next time that the disciples got together and it was time for somebody to wash the feet. They were probably fighting over who's going to get to wash feet today. Jesus had just washed their feet. Jesus had just dried their feet. Jesus had just told them, what I've done, I've done to be an example for you. So go and do to others as I have done to you. And I bet that marked their heart and their life. Because look at the last part of that statement. Serving others with love not only influences people, but it inspires people to rise up. It inspires people to rise up. This is what I know about every time I get around somebody that is sacrificially serving others with love. You know what I know? Their life inspires me. And it doesn't matter what they're, what they're passionate about. 
right? You, you get around somebody that is sacrificially serving homeless people, and you hang out with them for a little while, and you know what will happen? You'll walk away thinking, man, I want to help the homeless. You get around somebody that's ministering passionately, sacrificially serving kids, and you hang out with them for a little while, not only will their life influence you, but it will inspire you, and you'll say, man, I, I need to do something to help those kids. You get around somebody that's passionate about the Word of God, and you know what you do? You'll go home and you'll say, man, I've got to study the Bible. I've got to get in the Bible. I need a new Bible. I've got to study more. You get around somebody that is sacrificially worshiping and serving God in prayer, and you'll walk away from them, not just influenced, but inspired to raise your game in prayer and intimacy with God. See, when we serve others with love, not only do we influence them, but now we inspire them. And there's something that happens. There's an inspiration that rises up in that person that says, man, I want to do what they're doing. I wrote something down. I want to just read it to you. True leadership influences and inspires. We are not trying to make people accept Jesus, right? We're not twisting arms and saying, get saved or else. That's not what we're doing. We're not trying to make people accept Jesus. We are trying to lead people into a personal relationship with God. And then I wrote this down. The Holy Spirit showed this to me. He said, Keith, do you know the difference between a boss and a leader? Your boss tells you to do something, and you do what your boss tells you to do because you have to or else you'll lose your job. A leader tells you to do something, and you do what they tell you to do, hear this, because you want to be like the leader. You want to be like them. They say pray an extra 15 minutes a day, and you start praying an extra 15 minutes a day because you want to be like them. They say read this one-year Bible plan, and you start reading the one-year Bible plan because you want to be like them. They say, invite your family and your friends out to eat and start listening and praying and serving. You start doing those things. Why? Because you want to be like them. Why? Because leadership doesn't just influence you. Leadership inspires you. And 2,000 years later, I want to be like Jesus. <laughs> When I read the Bible, and I read the gospel accounts, and I read the New Testament, I want to be like Jesus. I want to do what he did. I want to lay hands on the sick and they recover. I want to say, Lazarus, come forth, and dead people get up and walk out of the grave. Why? Because when you serve others with love, not only do you influence them, but you inspire them. And they want to rise up and be like you. Well, Pastor Keith, isn't the goal that they be like Jesus? Yeah, the goal is they be like Jesus, but aren't you supposed to be like Jesus? So here's the million-dollar question today. Are you living such a Christian life that people want to be like you? Are you serving others with love to such a degree that people want to be like you? Are you sacrificially giving and laying down your life for others to such a degree that people want to be like you? 
Because true leadership influences people and inspires people, not by position or authority, but by a heart that loves to serve. And the more I serve, the more value I add. And the more value I add, the more influence I have. And the more I serve, the greater my life becomes an example that other people want to follow. And that's what Jesus did. And 2,000 years later, we still want to be just like him. Why? Because he served with love. Now look at that last point. I want you to see this. Praying, listening, and eating together empowers us to serve others with love. And in case you don't don't know what serving really is. I mean, I just tried to make it really clear. Serving is doing, investing, and sacrificing for the good of others. How do you know you're serving? Because you're probably doing something you hadn't done before. How do you know you're serving? Because you're investing your time, your money, and your energy into somebody else's well-being. How do you know you're serving? Because you're sacrificing of yourself so that other people can know God. Serving with love. And when I pray and when I listen and when I eat together with other people, all of a sudden the Lord shows me, He empowers me how to serve them with love. And now I recognize, hey, I could do this. And I can invest a little here, and I could sacrifice a little time here. And you know what? A little doing and a little investing and a little sacrificing will make a big, 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 big difference in somebody's life. If you think about the things in your life that you value, hopefully for most of us that's our families. Maybe for some of you it's your job. Maybe for others of you, it's your ministry. Maybe for some of you, it's your hobby. And you have these things in your life. I value my family. I value my job. I value my ministry. I value my hobbies. And I value these things. This is what I know about the things we value. If you value your family, you know what? You'll do things for your family you won't do for other people. Can anybody testify to that? <laughs> if you really value your family, you know what you'll do? You'll invest time, energy, and money into them. And if you really value your family, you will sacrifice yourself for their good. You'll do that with your family. You'll do that on your job. You'll do that for your ministry. And you'll even do that for your hobbies. The reason most Christians are not actively engaged in evangelism is that we don't value souls enough to do what we've never done, to invest our time, our energy, and our money, and to sacrifice of ourselves for other people. Because anything that you value, you'll do those three things for. And the fact that most Christians are not engaged in evangelism is evidence that somewhere along the line, we've lost the value of souls. How many of you know people matter to God? How many of you realize you're not here in church today? I want you to hear this. You're not here in church today just because somebody prayed for you. Somebody invested in you. 
Somebody sacrificed for you. Somebody paved and paid the way for you to get where you are today. They did some things that nobody else was doing. They invested some things that nobody else was invested. And they sacrificed some things nobody else was sacrificing. Not for their good, for your good. And we're saved going to heaven today. Not just because somebody prayed. Let's keep on praying. But how many of you know prayer is not the end, it's the beginning that opens the door to the listening, the eating, and the serving together with love. So I want to challenge you to do something today. Let's just bow our heads. I want to challenge you if you are a Christian here today. I want to challenge you today to grab hold of the value of souls. To recognize that those three people, those three people that you've been praying for really do matter to God. Those people that God has put on your heart, they matter to Him. And we need to begin with prayer, and we need to listen with care, and we need to eat together, but we need to serve with love. We've got to do something. We've got to invest something. We've got to sacrifice something if we want to see their heart and life forever changed. So I want to challenge every Christian in this place today to fully embrace the mission of God. What does it mean to be mission-minded? It means that we love sacrificially. And we serve others with love. So my prayer for us as believers is that today something would be stirred up on the inside of us. That we would not only be influenced but inspired by the example and the life of Jesus Christ to rise up and live out what it means to be on mission. The second thing I want to do today is if you're here today and maybe you recognize, Pastor Keith, I'm here this morning and I'm not a Christian. And maybe you believe in Jesus, but you know in your heart of hearts you've never really accepted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. And the reason you know that is because you're not following Him. You're not following Him. See, one of the best ways to know who your Lord is is to look at who you're following. And maybe you believe in Jesus, but you've never really accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And today, you want to do that. Today, you realize that your soul does matter. And that Jesus died that you might live. And today, you have been not only influenced, but inspired by the loving sacrifice and service of Jesus. Today you want to say yes to Him. I believe, and yes, I want to accept Jesus today as my Lord and my Savior. I want to receive the gift of eternal life because that's what He gives you today. He gives you a gift of eternal life when you trust Him as your Lord and Savior. So if that's you today, I want to ask you to do something very simple but very powerful. It's simple in the sense that you do it every day. I want you just to stand to your feet. 
And it's powerful in the sense that it's, a, it's an act of faith that changes everything. So if that's you right now, I want you just to stand up all over this building. Today, I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Today, I want to ask Him to forgive me of my sins and come into my heart and my life and be my Lord and my Savior. I realize that I'm separated from God. The Bible says that if I die without Christ, I'll spend eternity separated from God in a place called hell. But if I'll accept the free gift of eternal life that comes through Jesus, Jesus will not only forgive me, but He will lead me into the life and into the eternity that He paid for with His own blood. If that's you today, just stand. Just a simple act of faith. Today I want to accept Jesus. I want to trust Him this morning as my Lord and my Savior. We're about to pray. Before we do, this is your moment. Don't wait another second. Just stand up right now. Today is my day. I want to accept Christ. Thank you, Father. With every head bowed in this place today, God, we thank you today for the grace and mercy of Jesus. We thank you that you have loved us enough to serve, that you have served us sacrificially, that you paid a price we could never pay so that we could receive a gift that we could never earn the gift of life that comes through Jesus. So, Lord, today I ask you to draw each and every one of us to you. And may we serve with love so we can influence and inspire the world around us to want to follow Jesus, the one who is and was and forever shall be. And we ask it today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a round of praise today, man.